He's amazing. Wow, what an exciting day we've already had this morning at Fellowship of Oso Creek. I am glad you guys are all here, right? I am really glad you're here if you're a guest with us, or, and I'm glad you're online watching. If you're tuning in, streaming in, uh, tuning in, do we even say that anymore? Uh, tune in, that, that, yeah, from a, a verbiage from the past. But uh, if you're streaming with us, uh, with us this morning, thank you. And if you're our guest, thank you for being with us. You're very important to us. But let's get to the word this morning. Sound great? Uh, this group is with it. You sound great? Yes. All right, here we go. You got your Bible or a, a, an app on your phone. Let's go to the New Testament Gospel, Matthew of uh, chapter 7, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 this morning. And our, our elementary students and kids are with us today. So hello, kids. I'm glad you're with us today. And they're all like, boo, looking at me like, you're boring me already, you know. Uh, well, now you, you feel what your parents feel every week. You know what I'm saying? That's all good. It, parents, there are, though, there, if, you, if you didn't grab one on the way for the, the students or the children, there is coloring pages and little activities and crayons in that little table in the back. You can get them a little coloring page if they want as well. We are going to uh, participate in communion, Holy Communion, at the end of the service. So if you're watching online, just have something prepared, elements to prepared to join us with as well. You know, water, Coke, tea. That works, okay? Bread or cracker, you, you can do that. That's okay. Just like last week's message, gang, this message today that the Lord's laid on my heart has implications for us, not only as individual believers, but as a church, a church corporately as well. I started a series last week called The Starting Line, and, and these series of messages, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that in this new chapter that we've begun, it puts us all on the same page as far, you know, doctrine and vision and, and Megan and my heart. And so this morning, I want to talk about a very important doctrine. We're going to talk about doctrine, okay? Everybody's like, ooh, doctrine, you know? Kind of like, what was that cartoon, Lion King? It's like when they say Mufasa and they say, say it again, you know, ooh, doctrine, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So what I'm going to discuss this morning is very foundational for the Christian believer. As a matter of fact, I'm titling the message, The Foundation. Capital T, capital H, capital E, Foundation. The Foundation. And sadly, this message, this topic today has slowly begun to become a bit controversial, especially in the world, and, and it's slowly making a, a controversial aspect even in certain church circles. In this day of spreading humanistic thought and moral relativism and secular humanism, the message that I'm about to speak is not accepted. It's actually very frowned upon. But that's okay, because we're talking about God's word, right? And his opinion is what matters most. Yes? Right? Okay. So I want us to look at a parable of Jesus that he used to close what we commonly refer to as his Sermon on the Mount. This sermon was a very long sermon. You know, people in church complain today when a speaker or a preacher, you know, they speak more than 30 minutes, you know, and, and it, you would, it's pretty amazing when you, if you ever come up here and teach or preach at about the 30, 35 minute mark, you, you know where you are because you start seeing people fidget, looking at their phones, you know, look at their watches, looking around and you're like, it's time to bring this thing to a close, you know, 
And, and it's funny because we're in that time-conscious era right now, but Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it covered three entire chapters. Three chapters. That's how long his sermon was. And man, what an example for preachers and teachers, right? I know what you might be thinking, Greg. You're not Jesus. Get on with it. I got a burrito later. Okay? So I get that. So read with me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. These are the words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So Jesus had spent, I mean, three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, teaching his disciples and, and crowds, Jesus had started teaching. Once he came out of the wilderness, Jesus started teaching. And great crowds, the gospels say, started following Jesus wherever he went, hanging on his words, listening to him. And so Matthew 5, especially uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says that, you know, Jesus, seeing the crowds, he kind of went up a mountain and the disciples followed him. And, and, and out of curiosity, I'm sure great crowds came along with him. And, and Matthew 5, 1 says, And Jesus opened his mouth and began to teach. And he started teaching about very important aspects of life and how to live. That's these three chapters in, in the Gospel book of Matthew, okay? And see, what's important to know about this is that the Jewish people in the New Testament had been led for a long time by the Jewish religious leaders that, you know, they were called the Pharisees. And they had made living for God so hard, very strenuous, and super difficult. They took God's original law, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and then they took the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. This was the, the laws that were given to Moses to give to the Israelites. And they ballooned these laws to 613 commandments and traditions and oral laws that people had to follow. It was a lot of rules and regulations and restrictions, and they kept their leadership with a very tight fist. So Jesus came on the scene, and he exposed these religious leaders and their teachers. Jesus called out the religious establishment, and he began to start teaching that the kingdom of God was much different than what they had been taught for decade upon decade after decade after decade. The Pharisaical religious establishment had been for generations teaching a righteousness that was all based upon works, based on what you can do, what you shouldn't do, do's and don't do's, keeping yourself pure and clean by not touching this, not going there, not touching that aspect, you know, not eating certain things, keeping certain things in tradition. You kept yourself pure by doing things or not doing things. And if you got unclean, if you became unclean, it was a tremendous process that you had to go through to become clean. I mean, we think now that our quarantine time is, you know, 
you know, four, five, six days, ten days. It's like, oh, my goodness, we're in quarantine, right? But my goodness, in, the, in this time frame, in the context, if you touched a dirty rag or you touched a dead animal, my goodness, forget about it. You're talking about isolation. Not only do you have to isolate, but then you had to go through a purification ritual and process just to become clean, okay? So their teaching was all based upon the external, the outside, the external, yet they forgot about the heart and what was on the inside of a person. That's why in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus scolded these religious leaders. He said, hey, you guys look beautiful on the outside. You're like whitewashed. You look awesome and beautiful, but inside, you're like dead, men, dead men's bones. You're ugly on the inside. See, Jesus came on the scene and he flipped the script. He came and started teaching about the truths of inner transformation, how to transform the heart. Jesus came and said, hey, it's not necessarily about the outside. It's more important about the inside. It's the inside that matters. And this is very important to know, and I spend a, a couple of minutes explaining this, because the illustration that Jesus uses to close his sermon on the mount our text, it illustrates two very different approaches to teaching about life and the kingdom. The Jewish religious leaders' external teaching, it was like that was the sandy foundation that Jesus was talking about. They were building on sand, talking about the external. And people for a long time had been basing their hopes on their teachings. And Jesus is like, this is all going to fall. Jesus is teaching about the heart of man and how that needs to be changed and transformed. That was the foundation of rock that he's talking about. His teachings, his words, his instructions was the rock foundation. And Jesus kind of drew a proverbial line in the sand with this illustrative story and he's like to his disciples and the crowds that were listening okay now you guys decide there are two options that i've exposed and i've presented you have only one of two foundations to build upon and it's your choice jesus is like you have to decide between me or these religious teachers focus and teaching on the external. You got to choose between me or the religious establishment. Then he dropped the mic and he walked off the mountain. Wait a minute, that's, wait a minute. that's not in the original Greek Hebrew or uh, Greek uh, language that the Bible is written in, but it should have been in there. You know, Jesus is like, boom, you know what I'm saying? So is Christ's message and teaching here in, in this parable in Matthew 7, is it just for those who gathered around him on that mountainside you know, a little over 2,000 years ago? No, gang. It speaks to us today, right here, right now, February 5th, 2022. It speaks to us as individuals, as I mentioned, and as a church, as we are on the starting line. And listen to me, this message is of utmost importance. What Jesus is saying is so vital. And if we get this wrong, then everything is wrong and we become in gross error. 
That's why I said this is a foundational message because we are talking about the foundation to build upon. So what does Jesus' illustration tell us? Look, we can learn five things from Jesus' story. And, and these five bullet points, they're listed on your creek notes. And again, if you're watching online, you, can, you have access to the creek notes online. You just go to our website, and, and they'll be there as well. Number one, everyone is building a house. This is what we learn. Number one, everyone's building a house. Who's building a house? Who's building a house? Everyone, every single human is building a house. Every person who is alive, who is breathing. How many of you took a breath this morning? You're, you're alive? Everyone should have raised your hand if you didn't. Maybe we'll have a special prayer. It's okay, yeah? Everyone who's breathing is building a house. Now, Jesus is using a metaphor to explain your life. You are building your spiritual life. And how you build your spiritual life has a reciprocal effect on your physical life. There's a direct correlation here. And gang, it's the same with the church. And we are building a house here at the Fellowship of Oso Creek. We are building a house. But Jesus takes the lesson just a bit further. He said, not me, not any other writer, Jesus himself said there are only two types of builders. And if you study his Sermon on the Mount, you'll see that he's done this already using these options of two. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, there's two kinds of roads and gates. One's good and one's bad. In, in, in verses 15 through 20 of Matthew 7, he said there's two kinds of fruit and trees, one good and one bad. And now in our text here this morning, there are only two types of builders, foolish builders and wise builders. Foolish and wise builders. Look, everyone is a builder. You're building a house. You're either a foolish builder or you are a wise builder according to Jesus. So how do you know which one you are? Greg, I, am I foolish? Am I wise? How do I know? Jesus gives us the answer. The difference between the two builders is simply one thing, the foundation that the builder is building on. The foundation is what, is, is what shows what kind of a builder you are. And any builder worth his skills knows this. Right? Where's Steve? Steve's a builder. Right, Steve? And I don't know if Patrick's here this morning, but he's a, a, a builder as well. And he would say, yeah, that's very, very true, right? The foundation makes all the difference. Please understand that this morning. The foundation makes all the difference. Jesus was a carpenter by trade. That was his profession. He knew houses. He knew the building trades. He knew the building codes. You know, if they had codes back then in you know, New Testament Israel. <laughs> Jesus wasn't a tax collector talking about foundations. He wasn't a fisherman by trade talking about foundations. Jesus wasn't a political figure by trade talking about a foundation. No, he was a skilled carpenter, or as the uh, Chosen series, so, you know, Jesus says, I'm a craftsman. You know, yay, Chosen, right, you know? So Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about here. And he illustrates the difference between a wise builder and a foolish builder is all dependent upon the foundation that you build upon. 
So right away, as Jesus closes this sermon, he instantly puts every man and every woman into one of two classes. One class called wise, one class called foolish. How are you building your life? How are you building your house? How are you building even your church? And how you're building that on one of two foundations determine, determines which class of people you are in. And there's a great difference between these two classes of people. Point number two that we learn from Jesus' message, we learn about the foolish builder. We learn a lot about the foolish builder. Check this out. Where Jesus walked in Palestine during the hot summer months, all of the land became parched and hardened and dried. This was very true, especially around the sand and the shores of the Sea of Galilee. During the hot, arid, desert heat months, even the sand was hard on the surface. And the dirt and the sand, it, it, it appeared like it had become rock solid. You know, the other, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, we... Uh, when we first arrived, we were staying, you know, over on the island in an Airbnb, and we, we drove over to the, the beach, and uh, as soon as I pulled up, I was like, this sand is pretty hard, you know? It, it's, it's some hardened sand. Uh, is it like that a lot of the time? Yeah? Okay, good. You, you, those who have lived in Corpus for a long time, I was like, okay, you know, it's not like some of the beaches I've been to in Florida and South Carolina and different places all over where, you know, you get in and you kick it. It was pretty compacted and pretty hard, you know what I'm saying? And I guess the cars drive on it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I noticed that now. I, I wasn't really spiritually minded when I pulled up. The bed. Like, man, this is like Jesus' parable in Matthew 7, chapter 24 and 27. The sand is hard and it's rock. No, I, I wish I was like that. You know, it wasn't until I started doing the message. I was like, God reminded me of that. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of, if you can picture that, that's kind of how the sand was in Palestine during the hot, arid summer months. Okay, and what Jesus was illustrating is this kind of impacted sand by heat and arid conditions of Jesus' day, and I guess even here by all these cars driving by and people walking by. You know, it kind of gives a false impression of security. It looks hard. Hey, that's kind of hard. We can build something on this sand. It's impacted. It's, it, it's kind of rock solid. And that's what Jesus was implying. The foolish builder knows better. He knows, or she knows, that you should build your house on a solid foundation. But they're like, hey, this sand looks solid to me. But as all of you who have the beach as your backyard playground... And we are so thankful to the Lord that he has sent us here to Corpus so that now our backyard is the beach. Yay, beach. How many of you just love the beach? You love it. Some of, how many of you hate the beach? You hate it. Anybody? Wow, all right. <laughs> you don't like the beach. And that's okay, all right, you know. I'm not a big fan of sand. I know it gets everywhere, right? But that's okay. 
But all of you who have the beach as your backyard playground, you all know it, it doesn't matter how hard the sand may appear. It could appear as hard as the concrete that, that we're all sitting on this morning. doesn't matter how many cars have driven on it, pushed it down further and further down and impacted it. Just a little rain, right, can soften that sand up. The tide can come in and go, and all of a sudden that hardness just kind of disappears in an instant. Am I right? Yeah. So Jesus is like, hey, when the rain starts coming and the storms start whipping all around, that house, that life, that religious institution that was built on the false assumption that this sand is solid, that sand's going to give away and destruction... Is going to happen. Jesus said it's a great fall. It's a lot of destruction. I mean, what a message for a coastal community, right? <laughs> and what Jesus is saying, this is the utter depth of foolishness to build on sand. It's the utter depth of foolishness. Yet sometimes that sand, maybe it just doesn't just wash away right away, right? You know, but as the tide comes in and out, sometimes, you know, as the rain begins to fall, little grains of sand may wash out. So, you know, sometimes the storm or, or, or the waves will come in and wash it all away, but sometimes it's just you know, a little grain by grain, a little grain by grain. It starts eroding away until finally when a big rain comes or a big storm comes, boom, it's all gone. The sand castle you built or whatever you're doing. It just washes away. You know, in, in, in northern Kentucky, we had the blessing and opportunity to <laughs> flip a house that was built in the late 1800s. Uh, and I, I kind of, Megan's the only one to laugh because she knew. It took us 19 months to do this, okay? 19 months. It's a miracle that our marriage survived through that. It was, uh, woo, if you... If you ever say, I want to flip a house, come talk to us first, okay? You know what I mean? But what's interesting, this house, the foundation, the original foundation was built, it was just a bunch of piled stones just stacked on top of each other. And I'm sure for a long time, man, the, that foundation lasted for a while and it worked. But over the years, soil eroded from under that foundation a little bit by little bit. By the time we bought the house, the house had sunk three feet into the ground. <laughs> three feet. We didn't realize this. We didn't have an inspector come before we bought this house. You know, say, mm, you might want to check the foundation. We're just like, here's a good opportunity to flip a house. Woo! You know, so we had to raise that house three feet before we could do any other work on it. The foundation had eroded. It wasn't a sure foundation. And so the house really was no good until we had to sure up that foundation. Guys, no one wants to be a foolish builder. Nobody sets out to build a house, a life, a church, a family. No one sets out to, to build these things as a foolish person, yet humanity is filled with them because they're building on sand. And sadly, there's a lot of religious institutions, even today, who are building on sand. The sand of the world. They build on material possessions, wealth, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life, as the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. That they try to build on a foundation of sand that is building their own personal kingdoms down here on this earth. 
job success, building their business empire, try to become a social influencer with viral status, right? They try to build on the sand of fame and recognition or, or trying to be someone. Maybe they're building on the sand of false doctrine, spiritual pretense, playing around with church, playing around, playing games with God. Then even for churches, there's the sand of bowing and cowing to social pressure, cultural trends, political establishments. So many people, religious institutions, and even churches find themselves building on sandy foundations such as these. And Jesus says it's foolish. I mean, to sum it all up, anything other than Christ is sand. Anything other than Christ is sand. Which brings us to the third point we learn about you know, in our text of Christ's words. Number three, the wise builder. Let's talk about the wise builder for a few minutes. The wise builder builds on a sure, solid foundation that's going to last. Guys, the sure foundation has already been laid. That's Jesus Christ himself. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9-11, through 11, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Look, Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the bedrock that we build our house on, that we build our lives upon, that we build our families on, that we build our church upon. Jesus is the rock. He's the rock solid. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he asked them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say, Jesus, you're one of the prophets. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and he replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I tell you, look at verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. He wasn't saying that he's going to build his church on Peter because Jesus uses two Greek words here in, in Matthew chapter 16. Peter, the Greek word for Peter is Petros, it means small or little rock. And then when he says, on this rock I will build my church, he uses a different Greek word for rock there. It's petra, which means a massive, large boulder, a huge rock. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not going to build my church on you, you know, Petros, Peter, small, little rock. I'm going to build my church on me, Petra, a large, massive stone that can't be moved. Looking, it's, it's all about Jesus. He is the only rock. And Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only way. As the Protestant reformers called it, solus Christus. Solus Christos, that's Latin for Christ alone. 
During the Protestant Reformation, there were five solas that highlighted the key issues of this Reformation. There was faith alone, sola fida. There was grace alone, sola gratia. Scripture alone, sola scriptura. And then for the glory of God alone, which is sola deo gloria. And solus Christus is the most important sola of them all because Christ is at the very center of all five of these key issues. Jesus Christ, he, it's Christ alone. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone is our high priest and redeemer. He is the sole mediator between God and man. He is the only one who left heaven and took on flesh and who died. He lived sinlessly perfect. He was the spotless lamb and he died on the cross. He was buried, as we, we talked about, we quoted in the Apostles' Creed. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he was seen by over 500 witnesses. It's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. Christ is the only foundation to build upon. It is him and him alone. It's Christ plus nothing else equals everything. Christ plus nothing that we can add <laughs> equals everything. Christ plus nothing equals everything. As I begin to bring it down as a close, all the kids are asleep, <laughs> and some adults. <laughs> some might be saying, come on, Greg, why can't it be that Jesus is just one of many ways? Because I think that's how it is. I think it's Jesus is just one path, you know, and, and, and many ways. It can't be that way. I mean, the very nature of that doesn't even make sense. It, there can't be many paths in many ways. And, and Jesus said so himself, John 14 and 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And no one else in all of history have made, has made such a bold claim and then was able to back it up by rising from the dead. And then the Christian religion that Christ established, it's the only religion where, where it is literally God reaching down to help mankind. It's God reaching down. Every other worldly religion is all about what man can do to ascend, how man can achieve, how man can, can get to eternal life, what we can do. Only Christianity, only when Jesus came and what Jesus established is God reaching down to mankind. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Study the world religions and you will find that. Everybody else, all the other ones is all about what can we do where this is all about? What, can, what has God done and how has he reached down to save us and to help us? And there's not many roads that can get you to heaven or eternal life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, he used the two illustration and he said, you know, why does the path that leads to destruction. A lot of people go that way. But, but it's a narrow path and a narrow gate that leads to eternal life. And it's hard. Jesus said something very sober, and he goes, and only a few will find it. And Jesus is referencing one road, one path, one way, and that's all through him. Because he said, I'm the way. Well, Greg, how do you know? How do you know the Bible is true and Jesus' words are legit? I got to get moving. I know what he's done for me. I've personally felt his presence. He's spoken to me. The apostles, 
They all died proclaiming the truth of the gospel, the truth of the resurrection. They all died as martyrs. Not one of them turned. They all died, some of them very gruesome, as martyrs, proclaiming the truth of the resurrection. People have turned for far less under pressure than what the apostles faced. And then in Acts chapter 2, they endured with power from on high. The day of Pentecost, they went out and they changed the world. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, the apostle Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them in, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. That's the most important, the single most important thing for all of us, that we may gain Christ and build upon him. The old hymn from Edward Moat, he wrote it in 1834. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. How many of you know that old hymn? Yeah, beautiful. Our, our, our musicians are going to come up. I was going to talk about the storms are coming. They're going to grab their communion elements now, so just don't mind them as they prepare and come up. Anybody remember Salty, the singing songbook? Anybody growing up? Few, three of you, four of you? There was a song, me and Megan were just talking to this, the girls, but Salty said, don't build your house on the sandy land. If you, don't build it too near the shore. You know, it's a fun song. It's like, it might be nice, but you better think twice because it's, you know, it's going to all wash up. So the fourth thing we learn from in these last two points, I'll, I'll knock them out really, really quick. Number four, we learn storms are going to come. How many of you know that? You, you raise your hand. You know storms will come. Some of you are in a storm right now. You might be in a, a, a storm of life right now. How's your foundation? Storms come emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally. Storms come spiritually. All kinds of ways. Storms are going to come. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trials. Jesus said that. So how's your foundation? And then the last point is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing here. How do we build on the rock? That's what I want to close with before we take communion. How do we build upon the rock? Because storms are coming, we better be building on the right foundation. You better be building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So, so how do we build on him, the rock? He says how to do it in verse 24, by obeying him, living for him. It's relationship, not religion, okay? And as a church, Fellowship of Oso Creek, here on the starting line, as we're kneeling at the starting line, we're, we're busting out, ready to go. Listen, it's all about Christ here. I start off right now by saying it's all about Christ. Every single thing that we're going to do here, everything that we're about here is all about Christ. It all gets run through Jesus Christ. Because this is his church. You're his people. You know, there have been for other pastors who have been here before Megan and I arrived, and they've all built levels on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Pastor John Bradshaw, Pastor Mike Cervantes, Pastor Mike Brennan, Matt Brennan, sorry, I know Matt, he's even reached out to me. And even in the interim, even Pastor Terry Ray for those nine, nine or so months. 
And Megan and I have come along here to build another level on what they all have already built. And it's all built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Each pastoral team has come and built a level. And now here we are, we're building another level on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. It starts with Christ. It's about Christ. If you ever ask me or hopefully one of the elders and, and say, what's your church about? I say, it's all about Christ. Because it is. How do you build personally? How do you build personally? Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus said in the Gospel of John 14, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, my words, my instructions, my precepts, my charges. He tells us how to live life, to live it like him. You know, in our hearts, everyone has rooms. Somebody wrote a book about this one time. It's like there's the dining room, the the living room, there's bedrooms, there's closets, you know, and a lot of times we'll say, Jesus, you can, yeah, come into my heart, I invite you in, but, but you, you, I only want you to come have some coffee with me, Lord, in my little breakfast nook, in the breakfast nook of my heart. Or maybe the living room. But, 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 and Jesus is like, I, I want to go back there. I, I want to go see what's in that closet. I want to go back there to the bedroom. No, no, Jesus, ho, 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 ho. It's not clean. It's ugly. It's not a pretty sight, Jesus. I've, the, that, I've locked it. It's closed. Just come in. Have, I've, I've made this part of my heart really nice for you, Jesus. Let's, let's fellowship and have a good time. No, I want to go there. Building on Jesus is allowing him into every aspect of your life, every part of your life, every room of your heart. Say, Jesus, it's all yours. Change me. Let, let your process of interchange flourish in every area of my heart and my house. Listen, we're going to take communion in about three minutes. Yeah, you guys can start playing if you want. That's all good. That, that helps me know that I need, I mean, yes. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, this is kind of a new deal. No, we'll, oh, you can, we'll instruct. Yeah, sorry. That is true. You guys are, they're like, okay, we're just standing up here for a while. You know, it's all good. Let me ask, marriages, are they being built on the foundation of Christ? Foundation of sand? Parents, are you raising your children on the foundations of Christ? Business owners, are you building your business on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Are you building your personal individual life on the foundation of Jesus Christ? What Jesus is saying is build your life, build your family, your house, your church on the solid foundation of Jesus. On the solid foundation of Jesus. And there's no better place to make a recommitment to Christ or to commit to Christ than at the table of his suffering where we honor and remember what Jesus did for us, how he gave his body shed his blood for us so that we could have life eternal. So I've asked Jacob the band just to lead us in this last chorus or this last song. Sorry. And as they do, I invite you to, to come and grab communion elements and just go back to your seat. And if your kids are with you this morning, 
tell them what this is about. Parents, instruct your children. If you're watching on home and you got your kids with you, tell them what this is all about. Teach them. Let this be a great opportunity to teach them. And then I'll lead us all together in remembering the Lord's suffering. But Paul says, before you do this, let a person examine themselves. Listen, let's all make a recommitment to Christ. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've, I've been building some areas of my life on shaky sand. I repent of that, Lord. Forgive me. I commit to building back upon you. Maybe you're watching here today. You're here and you've not made Christ your Savior and your Lord. Man, do that. Say, Lord, forgive me. I know I need you. Wash me, cleanse me. You're my Savior, Jesus. Be my Lord. I believe you died for me and you rose again for me. And I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. Pray prayers like that as we prepare to take communion. So yeah, come on. If you'll come and get your elements and then take them back to your seat, we will take them all. We'll, we'll partake of communion together.